0: Welcome to Hillside Community Church's weekly podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to listen to this week's message and hope that it ministers to you today. Hillside's located in Keller, Texas, and if you would like to know more about us or to listen to previous recordings, please visit us at yourhillside.com. And now, this week's message. In a series called Eternal Living Now, where we're sort of explaining and revealing our vision as a church, In which uh, we believe that everyone is, every follower of Christ was intended to to live an eternal kind of life now. And uh, Jesus intended his followers to understand that. Uh, And what we're sort of essentially saying is, Jesus didn't come to just take you to heaven, that's not the primary. Or ultimate reality, ultimate goal. He came to save you. And not just at the end. He didn't come to save you just at the end. He came to save your whole life immediately. Does anyone in here imagine that they don't need saving today? That, oh, no, just wait till the end of time. That's when I'm really going to need it. No. Came into this world to save your life now. And this is something we've got to get right. Because it'll have the most profound impact on our lives if we do. So we're defining eternal living now. or trying to define the eternal life. It's not just some far-off Place in the future that's forever. And i got to tell you, every time I'm studying this week, I came across some passages I don't even know if I'll get to in this series. But absolutely, utterly phenomenal and profound, saw it in a new way. I, I, just, I hope I get to share it with you at some point soon. But things are just coming alive in the text to me as we consider this. Now, we have been meditating a lot on 1 John 1, to 1-4, and the more I do it, because I'm doing it every single week too, uh, I'm just more and more amazed at what John is teaching us. He says, this we proclaim to you. He begins this little short letter, uh, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard and seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and our hands have touched, concerning the message of life, And then he says, and this life was revealed and we have seen and testify and announced to you this eternal life. This life was revealed. It's already here and unpacked for you. And of course, it was with the Father and now it's been revealed to us. And I just think you got to just stop for a minute because it just dawned on me after four or five weeks of looking at this text. How awesome is it of a wonder that God has taken any effort, time, strategy, or planning to show us what he has and what he has for us. you just got to stop for a minute and take that in. This is an incredible truth John is revealing. This life has been manifested to us. We have seen and heard and we announce it to you we have said, because John is explaining, that something that grows out of that eternal living now is a kind of fellowship. a fellowship with us, a community and fellowship, that fellowship our fellowship is with the Father. And so we sort of drew a picture last week about this fellowship, that somehow we share it with each other, in this direction, this direction, just community happening among us. And we together then also commune with God, because in the Trinity, there's just this communal flow happening with them, and God's opened it up, and now we're part of that as a community. So John is saying there's a fellowship with us that eternal living produces. And then he says uh, we actually fellowship with God. So there's actually, John sort of bypasses the individual idea that I can just have a relationship with God. And I think the most important thing that I want you to see, uh, you know, sort of summing up the last few weeks is you as an individual can't bypass this community and just try to find it with God alone. That's impossible. That is, John would say that is a complete misunderstanding of, of what it means to know God and to be in an eternal relationship with Him. That is it's, it's not eternal life. That's what, Jesus, that's what John is saying. That's an incredible thought. Now, I want you to, say, to understand something else about John as we reflect on these verses that he shares. John, John is old now. I mean, he's not long from writing Revelation and being done. He's almost at the end of the first century after Jesus. He's one of the oldest disciples. He, he, he hung around. He lasted the longest. He's the most loving of them. He was one of Jesus' best students. He's teaching us. You can know eternal life, and you can have it, and you can experience it now, and you're not to wait for it later. This is, we're getting advice from someone. Who laid his head on Jesus' chest. I saw him. I know what it feels like. I'm telling you, John says. I have learned by interacting with him. That's the whole point of everything he's saying. That's why we keep reading over and over again. We saw it. We heard it. Touched it. It was right here in our hands. We're telling it to you. And you can have this interaction with us because we have this interaction with God. It's, it's, it's knowing Him. John says we learned it by interaction. And because, that is, because it's interactive, your life interacting with God now can have an eternal quality to it. The idea that you're just waiting till heaven to be spiritual cuts you off from all of the resources that are available to you now, which is what John is trying to say. You have eternal resources you can join forces with God, eternal purposes in the world with Him. If you're interacting with Him now and you're bypassing all of that, if you have some idea or the idea, that it's not until you get to heaven that you're going to be what God wants you to be. So how is the eternal life lived? We're, John's talking about this word fellowship, and we're trying to explain that in two categories. And one of, we've already learned that fellowship, whatever it is, highly relational term, highly relational term, and it's a term that has the, it means to share or to have in common. And listen, this is the basis of this community, is there's something in common with, with believers. And we share that in common with God. So there has to be an affinity. Listen, I don't know about you, but you can be standing in line at Starbucks and somebody order the exact same coffee as you and it'll strike up a conversation. Really? How long have you been drinking that? And this guy could have, he could have no hair, tattoos everywhere, a vest. He could even smell but you'll all of a sudden feel connected to him because you drink the exact same coffee. Or you, you pull up next to somebody, you ever get out of a car at a Walmart or something, and you pull next to a guy who's got the exact same car as you do, and you automatically have a conversation. You got a Mustang too? Oh, my gosh. It doesn't matter what it is. We can find things in common, and when we do, it doesn't matter where we're from, what we're like. I pulled up to a Walgreens and had a guy pull up and had the, a had the car, it was five years Younger than mine, exact same car, exact same color. We started talking. Well, he has souped his up and races his. He has races with his. And we're talking about it, and this kid, I could tell, he just loves cars. He's a mechanic. This is what he does for a living, but he does a lot of things he shouldn't, probably, in racing. Because he describes some things. He says, hey, if you want to get in that club, come on in. And I'm like, it's probably not my club, but hey. But hey, I was this close to becoming <laughs> Pastor Racer Pete. Why? Just because we had the same car. Imagine you share the same God. His life and love flowing in your veins. John is saying, something profound happens there. That's how this is lived out. You can't, you can't bypass it. And try to relate to the God who created this community. You just can't do that now. So a number of conversations that I've had uh, after last week, as it relates, to, uh, last couple of weeks, as it relates to community. So what I want to do, and I was really torn even up to this moment. I'm kind of torn as to exactly how to approach it. But I'm going to start, I think, with a, a text in First John. We're going to walk ourselves through it. We're going to sort of gain some. Perspective on this theme a little bit more because John only touches on it in verses 1, 1 to 4, but then teases it out in five chapters just uh, brilliantly. You know, there's one particular passage that I think really will help us as it relates to community. And the reason I'm going back through this thought again is because some of the conversations I've had and I know some of the roadblocks in our minds for why we like the idea of community but why some of us Are either afraid to reach out for it, or we don't intend at all to connect. And we got to deal with that. That that spirit in us has to be dealt with. So let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to go through 7 through 12 real quick, all right, just as a sort of a jumping off place. Now, Dear friends, he says, let us love one another. He's going to tell you why. Because love is from God. Now, I want you to see the connections, the profound connections here. Because love is from God. That's why you're going to love one another. Now, we're going to have to define this word, and we're going to in just a minute. Because this is not just an ethereal idea that you say, I can avoid community. I still love those guys. But we don't connect can't, that's impossible, then you're not defining love the way God is, okay? Because love is from God and everyone who loves, look at this, has actually been fathered by God because you're his offspring and you can't help but be like him. You got his DNA and not only have you been fathered by God, you know God. And that's John's term for experience. You've experienced God. You can't experience God and not have communal experience. That's essentially what he's saying. The person who does not love does not know God because, look, God is love. You can't relate to a relationship and not be relational at some level, having found something in common with certain people who know this very same God that loves you. Now listen, when you think about God is love, I don't want you to think of your idea of love and then stick that on God. God is defining what love is. Love doesn't define God. God defines love. Does that make sense? That's important because you'll define love a certain way and it won't be God's. And listen, the whole point of following Jesus is he's defining all reality for us. We're not defining it for ourselves anymore. He's defining reality. And so God is love, he defines what love is. So here's, in just these two verses, John is saying this there can be absolutely no real experiential knowledge of God. Which is not expressed in love to others it, there cannot, That cannot exist That's what he's saying John is saying You know love himself You know love himself How can you know and experience this love And it not flow out of you No, John continues. By this, the love of God is revealed in us. Oh, John's going to show you how the love of God is revealed, that God has sent, because he's going to define love, God has sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is so incredibly important, so incredibly important. God didn't send his son into the world so that you could go to heaven one day. He sent his son in the world that you might live right now through the resources he has given you. That ought to just stop you for a minute. That I could live through it? Yes. Everything about my life can be caught up in the life that he has provided me. He wants me to live through him. And that's how you know that God's love is revealed. You see his love in the fact that he sent his son. So there's a certain kind of love this is. This is an incredible love. This is the kind of unspeakable love, the kind of love where you would give your own child on behalf of someone else. And why, would I, why would I send him here? John doesn't give us the all-redemptive pers- purpose that Mark was giving us. Went to the cross to die for sins and da-da-da-da. That's all in the background of this. John is saying he sent his son so that somehow we could learn to live actually through that person. Not so that we could have just heaven one day. Profound. In this is love. Look, he's not finished. I mean, this is, John is just a, an encyclopedia of this. Not that we've loved God. This is a really important statement. It's not about how you see love, it's not about the love you think you have for God at the front end. So don't define your spiritual life. By the love you have for God, because we all have crazy ideas of love. Don't do that. You'll do it. You're tempted to do it. And when you're not in a community, you'll start defining your relationship with God the way you want to, the way you see it. But notice what he says. It's the love he has for us. And look, he repeats it and sent his son. Now look at him. He talks about the atoning sacrifice of sin. It's, it's his love that starts this whole process working. All right, so it's not that he loved us. He lo- it's not that we loved him. It's that he loved us. Um, it's a supernatural. That means when God loves you, something supernatural and transform- transforming happens to you. It's that kind of love. It changes you something very profound and transforming happens to you. And it solves a lot of the issues that you and I have when we're loved by God. Do you understand that? When you're loved by God, a lot of the issues you have personally, and all of us have love issues. We just all do. God is the one bringing healing to those love issues. He wants them to begin healing now. He's not waiting till heaven for us to become whole. He expects, and this is the theology of John in this book. I have one other passage in here that I'm dying to to show you that's just been so powerful. The love of God is supposed to do something in you that makes you different than you are today. It heals. And then look at what he says. Dear friends, if God so loved us, here it is, if he so loved us, then all of the love blockers in our lives have been affected. All of the love pain, all of the love blockers have been affected by this love to the degree that now I can actually love other people. That's what John is saying. This is not your love for God, and it's just one way. No, this is God coming in your life and shattering all of the things in you that are broken, all of the issues you have with yourself and others, all of the problems, all of the psychological issues of feeling insecure and unaccepted, all of the things that you and I all have, the things we wouldn't tell a soul about ourselves. I went through a list of things this week. I don't even know why I'm telling you this of things that I wouldn't want to tell you about me. And when I was done with the list, I thought, well, you know, actually half of those I would tell. The other half I'd have to have a bucket so I could puke in it if I said that out loud. We all have those. But as the love of God becomes more understood in our hearts, which John is dying for you to know it in a way, that those things slowly but surely just drop off of you. And one of the great wonders of community is to be in community with people that have learned it better than you. I'll tell you, one of the great ways to learn to love is to be around someone who has really stopped caring what you think. Isn't that a great guy to be around? Don't you just love that guy? He's just so honest, and I have a few of them in my life. They're the most refreshing. They've learned God's love in a way That God wants us to learn it, because when you can learn that way, you can really love other people. You're not stymied by whether or not they accept you. You're not dropped by the idea that they might judge you. It doesn't doesn't affect you anymore. That's important, we're going to see that in a minute. But notice, see what happens? And then look, no one, this is profound. No one has seen God at any time. What an incredible moment to bring that up. Hey, by the way, remember None of us have actually seen God. Wow, John. (laughs) Look at this. If we love one another, if we have the kind of community that he's speaking of, then God lives in you. He resides in you. John's word is abide or remain or, or reside in you, and his love is perfected in us. Now, this is a profound statement because here's essentially what John is saying. We can't see God except in each other when we're we're loving each other. That's when God comes to life. You say, why don't I have a great private relationship with God? Why don't I see him? Why don't I experience him much? I'll tell you. John is going to tell you. He'll look right at you and say, you don't have enough communal interaction with other believers. And I started going through my life and thinking of the people in it, and I'm going, oh my gosh, just in the last seven days only, what God has shown me and what I have seen in myself, just by being in community, conversations, some short, these interactions with people in my life, I can tell you that that's where God was the most alive to me. And where two things happened, where I recognized that God was alive in me and I saw him in someone else, and you have that kind of experience, it'll change the way you do life. It will absolutely change the way you do life. Absolutely. That's what John said. You want to see God? Get into community with one another. Oh my goodness. I hey, know he's not finished. Look. What does he say? Oh, love is perfected. What does he mean by that? This is John's word for complete Uh, or When he says perfected in us What he means is it comes Literally he means it has come God's love has now been perfected Because it's come full circle It has come to you And now out to others And when it goes out to others I I see God again Do, Do you see that sort of circle How that's working God loves me I love others, and when I love others, I encounter God again. Do you see that? And so, in other words, John is saying the circuit is is closed completely. This is why you can't bypass community and try to have just some of your own kind of spiritual life that you've created on your own based on your love for God and not his love for you. Because if, if, if your life is based on his love for you, it wipes out so much of the garbage we have in our head about ourselves and other people that you cannot tolerate it anymore in your life. You can't tolerate it because his love's too overwhelming. It's too wonderful. It's too unreal. And if you're not experiencing that, John will say something is wrong with your idea of eternal life or the spiritual life, and you need to f- reflect on that. So the whole thing comes full circle when you let God love you. And by the way, lots of people have trouble with that, letting God love you. And then therefore, in turn, we have trouble loving others. And then we have a real problem with understanding and seeing God and knowing what he expects of us because we never see him anymore. We, We saw him when we first came to him and then all of a sudden we stopped seeing him. That's because community is just broken down in our lives. If I end up, if I start with God and I end with God when I'm in community, you start with God and end with God when you're in community, that means a lot of what God intends me to see in him, a lot of what God intends for me to have in my life comes through the people in my life. You think about that for a second. What kind of love do I have? How transforming is it? What kind of impact is it going to have on me? And how is it going to help me see who God is so I can become the kind of person he's wanting me to become? Love is a very powerful force. God's love is overwhelming. And that's why you'll get this, and I'm actually going to do this next week. You'll see why it's so important that you, you know that first song that we sang at the beginning of the service today? Your love awakens me. Your love shows me things I, don't, I would never believe about myself if it wasn't for your love. Your love motivates me to do things I would never be motivated to do if it wasn't for your love. Your love changes me in a way no other love can do it. Your love secures me in a way that I can be profoundly myself with others because I'm not overly stressed about how you see me. That's why John, in this same text here, will talk about, uh, look at this. I'm only going to just briefly mention this. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. This is the same chapter just a few verses later. Because just as Jesus is, so are we in this world. What a powerful thing. Talk about eternal living now. When Jesus was here and lived the way he lived, we have basically replaced him. We have basically taken the place of him in that sense that we are like him. We are loved by God, and we are in this world operating. We're not waiting till heaven for this dynamic. It's already happening. We have confidence in the day of judgment. You say, why is that important? I don't have time to tease all of this out, but I just want to say this to you. John is essentially saying, when love is perfected, in other words, when the circle is closed... Oh, let's see, where did I draw it at? There it is. When the circuit's closed, I don't have to worry about ultimate judgment. So why would he bring that up? What is the point of that? John is just simply saying, I'm secure in God. I'm going to be able to make it through the hardest judgment in the entire universe. Are you telling me you can't walk into a house where a small group of people are? You can't risk being judged by five people in a room. You're going to stand easily in the, in, the, in the harshest possible judgment ever, the presence of God, which wipes out anything that isn't pure and holy. And John is saying, you're going to be doing this, right there in the judgment of God. What does that mean? You can risk so much more than you're risking. You know why people don't want to get in small groups? They, they, they risk being known. You don't want to be known. I don't mind knowing you. I don't want you to know me. Some of it's personality, and this is what I really wanted to get to just from a practical standpoint because I know how this works. Um, from a practical standpoint... Uh, you risk being known. And I got this great email this week from somebody. Um, She she says, I wanted to tell you that I'm enjoying your, your teaching on community, and it's speaking to me. I've known for quite a while that I need to be better connected to believers. As a profound introvert, it's difficult for me. And the only thing that's ever made me unhappy, this is a great line, I loved her honesty, (laughs) the only thing that's ever made me unhappy about Hillside is how well it encourages community. I'm like mad at you for that. Get off it. Get off of it. I just loved it. Because for someone like me, she says, To take a chance on the awkwardness, the discomfort of entering someone else's home um, makes it very, very difficult for me. Which by the way, I totally get. Because you may not know this about me, some of you do, I'm an introvert. I'm sort of extroverted up here. I say more than I will ever tell you in my life from this platform, right? Because I'm an introvert. So I get introverted. I know what it means to be shy. I know what it means. She says, uh, I've had it in my, in my life in the past, but, I was, but now I don't have it. And I'm so committed to safety. She says, my personality type, she closes with, should never be used in a, as an excuse to not do what God commands. Now, I have four other pages of notes on this sermon. For this sermon. But I'm about out of time already, and I guess the most important thing to say to you now really just needs to be said is there will be times when what God asks of you, what he has provided for you, what you encounter, what you experience with him, will will strike you in a place in your life where you're afraid, where where you have fear. Entering a supernatural relationship or world, or maybe even obedience factor. Fear is always part of what blocks the circuit here. It always is, especially as it relates to community, where some of us have different ideas about uh, about relationships and things like that. And some of us, there's some of you then here that don't like Christians. And, And what I would say to you on that is, you don't know enough. You don't know enough of them. Because I know some incredibly wonderful ones that I couldn't live without. That's what I would say to you. Um... And something's wrong with you if you can't find common ground with another brother who's been loved by God like that. Don't blame it on the community. A lot of times we run from community because we don't want to change. That's the number one reason. I'll let you read Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. We don't want to be in community because we don't want to change. That's another problem with you. Well, let me just tell you, if you experience God's love, you are going to change. You can't help it. You might as well just do a swan dive right in the community pool. Because you're going to change. You cannot stay the same when you've been loved like that. You can't see the world the same. You can't see yourself the same. And you can't see other people the same. In other words, what will happen is you'll become more humble and more bold. You will see yourself a little more secure. And you will see other people who are not everything you wish they were. Maybe they're the opposite of you in some ways. But you'll start to love them more and accept them more because of the God of God's love. So God's love changes you and he changes how you see people too. And if that dynamic isn't happening in your life, John would look clean in your eyes and say, something's dead wrong with how you're experiencing God's love. You better make sure you have it. And when that, so those fears, some of you have a fear of giving. I've had to work through a fear of giving my whole life any generosity that God has yanked from my heart he's had to work on for some other issues in my life he's had to help me and it isn't because I don't care about people just always insecure and always feeling like I don't know maybe maybe I'm gonna need that someday and if God doesn't get you over that fear you'll never become a generous person So wherever your fear is, discipleship doesn't end where your fear begins. Discipleship begins where your fear starts because now it's God, help me get over this fear and love people and and be who you want me to be in the world. Because I'll tell you right now, where your discipleship ends is where you're afraid. You're afraid to get to know someone. You're afraid to give something. You're afraid to serve. You're afraid to go to that connect area and say, hey, go to the connect area over there and go, look, I'm an introvert. I don't, you don't need to jam me into somebody's, don't, don't throw me into somebody's house. How else could I connect to some people here without going to their house? There's lots of ways to connect to people. And I didn't, I didn't even get to tell you all the wonders of the connecting that God has, that I just spotted in my own life in seven days. but I I know they wouldn't be there if they weren't for him. If they weren't for community, I could never have had those experiences. Listen, all of us are different, and all of us will come at this a little bit different angle. That's fine. You don't want to jump into somebody's house? Don't. Go back there and say, I'm an introvert, or say, I have a phobia. Some of you have just phobia about relating to people. Well, what do you do there? Do, do we say, well, God, I guess your word stops there in my life? No, you've, you slowly but surely have to work through it. You just slowly but surely have to work through it. But his love, listen, his love casts out fear. That's what John's about to say in this chapter, which i got to end now. Perfect love casts out fear. Why does perfect love cast out fear? Because once the ultimate fear of having to stand before God and give account of my life is taken care of, I'm completely free and secure to be giving, to meet people, to find a connection that we have in God. And when you find that connection, listen to this, when you find that connection with people, and you'll get it in different categories, different ways, it's all kinds of levels of community, Really, really close. And then just some great people. Some people I only get to see on Sunday mornings. But the community is amazing. Already this morning, one encounter with one person made me run back down here and open my Bible to a text and go, oh my gosh. One brief encounter. That's what we have to do for one another. I'll never be what God wants me to be without you in my life. I'll never see God the way he wants me to see him without you in my life. And so this is the kind of thing that I know. If you're out there and you have one of these fears or phobias, you'll be saying, I can't wait till he gets to the what it means to fellowship with God part. John is telling us, I can't go there with you until we've done this. So if you're not tired of it, I'd like to spend next week sharing with you how it is that we see God in each other. Would you mind if we did that? How about if we do that? Would you be okay with that if we did that? I want to talk about how we s- <laughs> Oh my Lord. I'd like to talk about how we see God in each other because it's so important. All right, Father. Thank you for your word, your love. Thank you for um, all that you have accomplished to redeem us, to love us, to bring you into relationship with you. And Father, right now I pray because I know there's a number of people in this room that are at a, that are at a, a ledge in their spiritual life. It could be community, that's what we're talking about, and the fear could be there, Lord. There's other spots in our life. Someone in here, Lord, is afraid to obey you this week. They're afraid to obey you. And I say, we want to know your love in such a way that it awakens and subdues, just subdues, awakens the joy of knowing you and subdues the fear of running from you and mistrusting you. Father, if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you. They're here and they're saying, I don't even know what you're talking about because I've never had an encounter with God. Father, open their eyes and hearts to you and I pray But they won't leave this building until they have talked to someone about what it means to come into relationship with you because there is nothing more important in the world. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.